0: Hello, and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee today on WKOM and WKRM Radio, your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Thursday, I'm sorry, yes, Thursday, <laughs> June 1st. And we start with local news. The Murray County Budget Committee in their May meeting voted 7-0 not to consider a $50 million request to construct a new elementary school in Spring Hill. Some commissioners expressed their concern over the high dollar funding and a decrease in growth numbers in Murray County Public Schools overall. According to Eric Perriman, Assistant Superintendent of Operations, a new elementary school is needed in North Columbia to accommodate growth for a slew of new developments under construction, where Columbia meets Spring Hill. Murray County Public Schools Superintendent Lisa Ventura emphasized the district's need to fund its capital projects requests, including the elementary school, new buses, and athletic projects. We have worked on these requests for multiple years. These requests don't come to you willy-nilly. These requests don't come on a whim, Ventura said. We have had a five-year plan in Murray County for multiple years. The fastest-growing elementary school is Battle Creek Elementary, which will need to be rezoned fairly soon, according to Perriman. We looked at population patterns to determine the need for a school in the area of Spring Hill. We monitor a growth map from year to year, a heat map that shows how many children are in each household, Perriman said. The number of developments in is growing along Nashville Highway in North Columbia and Spring Hill, including 700 unit plus developments like Carter Station, the Drumright property, new developments along Green's Mill Road, and new apartment complexes. Although some of the developments are still under construction, Paraman emphasized that in two to three years, families with children will be living there. Commissioner Gabe Howard said he is concerned about a decrease in the Murray County Public Schools student population as a whole, in contrast with the growth in Spring Hill. our current district growth report shows a reduction of students, or almost a 1-2% to 2% decrease in growth over the past few years. The most alarming thing is our schools are barely growing at all. The district retracted by 0.65% in student population last year, he said. For example, Whitthorn Middle School had 1,400 seats and is now down to 1,000 seats or a 25% reduction. That's a massive reduction in a school site, Howard said. Commissioner Ray Jeter pointed out that the student populations at private schools are growing across the county as well as homeschool. Columbia Academy had 24% growth over three years, for example. It is my recommendation to not approve the $50 million to today because i don't think you're ready for it howard said howard made a motion not to consider the 50 million dollar capital request for an elementary school in spring hill and the other committee members agreed unanimously howard also said he prefers to have a maximum price cited for the school instead of fluctuating funding like the judicial center under construction that has now reached over 30 million dollars we do not want to have a guaran- we do not have a guaranteed maximum price in the judicial center I want to move away from that, Howard said. On June 6th, the school board will consider a $4 million resolution to purchase more than 25 acres in northern Columbia to build the new elementary school. If the funding is approved, architecture plans and construction bidding for the property could take place as early as next March, with a target opening date of August of 2025. Perriman said the new elementary school in Spring Hill, when designed, will serve as a model or template for all elementary schools in the county with a capacity of 900, allowing for more seats than eleme- elementary schools in the past. If we open a school and it's full in the next five years, that's a failure, Paraman said. He also explained that new school buildings need to be built with a larger capacity. We went through a not-fun task of closing an elementary school, meaning McDowell Elementary, one of the oldest school buildings in the county, in Columbia, Paraman said. Schools are built for a 50- to 60-year life cycle, Baker Elementary School is aging, 63 years now. Brown is 57 years old. They look nice and feel nice and smell nice, but they are but they are underneath the surface and are not in the best of shape, he said. Baker also has a two-inch water line that serves the whole building. We look at how much longer can that school age. When do those buildings age out? Is it fair for children and adults to work in those buildings? We have lots of little schools that hold 300 kids. They have the same administrative staff than the schools that hold 900, he said. The population of Murray County Public Schools is 12,296 students as of May 18th. I understand these decisions are hard. I hope that our spirit of collaboration shows through. I hope you understand we are working hard for every child every day. Ventura said to the Budget Committee members before leaving the May meeting to attend a high school graduation. Murray County's Republican Party will decide at next month's meeting how it will choose its local candidates for the 2024 election cycle. At the May 25th regular monthly meeting, party members debated whether holding a primary election or a caucus would be the best choice and better use of funds. The Murray County GOP must inform the state's election commission by June 20th which way it will go. We had a caucus in January of 2022. The Republican Party has only had one primary in the past. It was a standalone primary, Murray GOP Chairman Jerry Bridenbaugh said. We're not going to do that again. If we do have a primary, we'll tag on to Super Tuesday, so that'll be, it'll be very little expense to the county because we can tag on to the state and national election ballot, he said. Bridenbaugh said with only even numbered school board seats up for grabs at the local level in 2024, he felt it did not make sense to saddle Murray taxpayers with the cost of a primary election. Murray County's assessor of property and superintendent of roads positions will be up for election in 2024, but those are not contested on a partisan basis. The March 2020 primary saw just 4,919 voters cast ballots in local races. In comparison, a sales tax referendum on the same ballot had 11,676 voters participate, according to official results on the Murray County Election Commission's website. Election commission officials were not able to provide an estimate of how much holding a county primary costs. The decision we have to make in the next three weeks is to first whether or not to have a caucus or a primary, and second to place the primary on the March fifth Super Tuesday ballot. Brydenbaugh said. Brydenbaugh stated that the mood of the room was about fifty-fifty either way when debating the options. Last night we put the question before the membership and asked for their opinions. Our secretary was taking notes as quickly as he could. It was pretty close to being a fifty-fifty split. We had several people speak in favor of primary, several for caucus. So we have a decision to make he said Columbia's growing food truck scene continues to thrive week after week but one of the struggles has been establishing proper regulations for how they conduct business within the city The city initially adopted an ordinance to regulate mobile vending in June of 2018 which is not met with which has rather which has been met with much debate from city leaders as well as those in the food truck industry Updates to the current ordinance are now being considered by Columbia City Council, which received approval at the ordinance's first reading in May. According to city planner Kevin McCarthy, the updated regulations would include properly identifying a vehicle's use as a food truck versus other types of mobile vending, defining push carts or cantina trucks versus other mobile vending, eliminating the plot certificate application for where the vendor will be operating, Eliminate the owner permission form to acquire an operating permit. Allow vending in a property's right-of-way. A map showing where mobile vending can be allowed in certain districts. Establish standards for mobile ice cream trucks. Permits will be valid for a year upon being issued. Allow vending to operate on unpaved surfaces. Eliminate the four-day operating rule. Mobile vendors operating more than four hours should have access to restrooms within 300 feet. The ordinance was originally put together using input from individuals in the food truck industry. Of the proposed changes, McCarthy said the biggest request has been eliminating the excess permit regulations, as well as the four-day operating rule. In addition, the city's planning commission is also recommending the council create a new land use specifically for food truck vending. This was something also requested by mobile vendors, which we based primarily on Knoxville and other cities outside of Tennessee, McCarthy said. That allows the use of the property or the transitional use of a vacant property that allows for food trucks to gather and people to enjoy them and in a variety of different options, he said. The council will discuss the proposed revisions and updates at, at its Thursday study session followed by the second and final vote next Thursday, June eighth, during the council's June regular meeting. Past and present students of Santa Fe Unit School lined the parade route on May 20th as the town watched confetti and candy fly through the air. Citizens lounged in lawn chairs, tailgate parties took place, and locals rallied to celebrate the K-12 school that turned 100 years old. With a current enrollment of 535 students and many programs that help guide students into their postgraduate years, the school celebrated its history that remains robust today. Murray County School Superintendent Lisa Ventura, County Commission Chairman Eric Praviti, and former Class of 1994 Santa Fe student Sheriff Bucky Rowland all attended to help usher in the first-ever Santa Fe School Day. Following a convoy of vehicles donning banners from classes all the way back to the 1940s, Ventura shared her sentiment with the crowd once everyone had gathered for the formal ceremony inside the school's recently renovated gymnasium. People ask, why unit schools? Ventura said, signaling to the crowd. This right here, y'all. This is why unit schools, she said. Ventura said that many other schools had long looked to Santa Fe as a model of longevity and success, demonstrating their hard work and dedication. This status reached outside of the county, she said, as Santa Fe has often been recognized as one of the best schools in the state. Ventura said Murray County Public Schools has three of only five unit schools still left in the state, the crowd cheered as moments of history were shared amidst joy and emotion, leading up to Commissioner Previtti reading an official proclamation to the crowd that the day now belonged to Santa Fe Unit School, later signed into effect by County Mayor Sheila Budd. Another homecoming was in store for the class of ni- for class of nineteen ninety-four graduate Sheriff Rowland, who shared memories of former classmates and joked about how many trips he had made to the principal's office. Roland ended by presenting flowers to the oldest graduate, class of 1947's Colleen Baker. The 94-year-old Baker said she loved her school and her community, adding, You never forget where you come from, she said. Former principal Kathy Cook, who served as a grand marshal for the celebration, was assistant principal for two years before serving five years in the lead position until 2012. Cook said that it was a wonderful feeling returning home to the celebration. I told someone when I came down the hill from Columbia it was like entering Happy Valley Cook said this is just such a community school with very active parents kids and teachers she said Cook mentioned that she liked noticing that some of the kids she taught had returned to their home school to teach Kenneth Jackson another former Santa Fe principal shared stories about the origin of the school that made him pause and get a little teary-eyed at times reflecting on some of his buddies that weren't there with him for the celebration Current principal Randy Hubble and Sandra Worf-Adkinson recognized past faculty and staff and presented the school with a special gift during the ceremony of a patchwork quilt featuring pictures of the school's history. This day is not about a building or a location, Hubble said. It's about you. Hubble shared the perseverance of the school, including the school fire in 1964 and the year that the school began serving meals in 1938. Laughter followed, mentioning of the glorious day the school first received in-house lavatories. Current assistant principal Jerry Potts wrapped up the ceremony with an invite to continue the celebration following the ceremony with a student-faculty basketball game. Jackson, the known storyteller of the day, told about what he called a God moment when his grandfather, R.H. Jackson, accepted a donation from the townspeople all the way back in post-Depression-era Santa Fe, a donation of only $3,500. That donation would end up as seed funding for the school to open. The person who received that and put it in the Santa Fe Bank was my grandfather, Jackson said. To me, that's a God moment. Following a few anecdotes from his own past with the school, Jackson got emotional again before ending his time at the podium with a hearty but teary, Go Wildcats! Alzheimer's Tennessee invites you to join them for their second annual walk to support families impacted by Alzheimer's disease or a related dementia. The 2023 Murray County Walk will be held on Saturday, June 3rd at Murray County Park and Senior Center, located at 1016 Murray County Park Drive in Columbia. The festivities begin at 9 a.m. with music from Chris Yao, line dancing, children's activities and a pet area. Kona Ice and Munch's food trucks will be on site. Dress up your furry friend and enter them in the best-dressed, best, most purple pet contest. Register on their website at www.alztennessee.org forward slash Walk. They hope to see you there as they walk to make Alzheimer's a memory. And remember, all funds raised, stay local. The Columbia Central Lions football program is hosting a youth football camp on Saturday, June 10th for kids ages 5 through 12. University of Tennessee football players and one cheerleader will be coming to help all the coaches with the camp. The cost of the camp is $50 and will take place at Eva Gilbert Park located at 120 Cord Drive in Columbia. Registration will take place on the 10th from 9 to 10 a.m. The camp will last from 10 to 12 and will feature skills and agility training. There are 150 spots reserved for football players, ages 5 to 12, and 50 spots reserved for cheerleaders, ages 5 to 12. From noon to 1, kids will have get, get to have autographs signed by UT players Dane Davis, Squirrel White, and Austin Lewis, as well as cheerleader Willow Martinez. From 1 to 4 will be Family Fun Day with food, a dunk tank, and a water slide. For more information, you can visit www.cyaalions.com. Join Murray Alliance upstairs at Puckett's in downtown Columbia on Wednesday, June 7th at 8 a.m. for breakfast with Murray County Mayor Sheila Butt, sponsored by Caledonian Financial. This is part of an ongoing Breakfast with the Mayor series. During this event, Murray Alliance President Will Evans will lead an informative question and answer discussion with Mayor Butt about the current state of Murray County. To submit a question or topic in advance, you can email Nicole Perry at nperry, that's N-P-E-R-R-Y, at murrayalliance.com. Tickets are $20 for members and include breakfast. For more information, visit www.murrayalliance.com. The second annual Homestead Festival will be held June 2nd and 3rd in Columbia on Rory Feek's Farm. Combining music and meaning, the two-day affair features musical performances from Rory Feek, Colin Ray, Craig Campbell, and Paul Overstreet, as well as master class lectures by prominent homesteading community leaders such as Dr. Temple Grandin, Joel Salatin, Jill Winger, and many others. You can buy tickets at www.hardisonmill.com forward slash the Homestead Festival. And now, your hometown memorials, sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Mrs. Jessie Lee Harris Burt, 90, died Thursday, May twenty fifth, at her residence in Columbia. Funeral services for Mrs. Burt will be conducted on Thursday at 11 a.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Burial will follow in Rose Hill Cemetery. The family will visit with friends on Thursday from 10 a.m. until 11 a.m. at the funeral home. Sandra Peary Pogue, 84, retired cafeteria manager for Hampshire Unit School for 30 years and a resident of Hampshire, died Monday, May 29th at Westmead Place in Nashville. Funeral services will be conducted on Friday at 11 a.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home with Stephen Kelly officiating. Burial will follow in Worley Cemetery. The family will visit with friends on Thursday from 4 to 8 p.m. and Friday from 10 a.m. until service time at the funeral home. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home, serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here, to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer, and why Matt and Susie Sowell believe the way to honor tradition is with especially personal service. We believe your traditions, your customs, your rites of passage are very important, but we also believe in taking care of your personal wishes as well. At Oaks and Nichols, we try to do more than just the expected things. So, the service you receive honors your
1: heritage and is uniquely yours. And we invite you to experience the difference.
0: Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern middle Tennessee weather, we will have mainly sunny skies today with a stray shower or thunderstorm possible in the afternoon. The high will reach 84 degrees with light and variable winds. Tonight, we can expect a few passing clouds, otherwise generally clear skies. The low will be around 62 degrees. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Family first. (laughs) My dad used to tell us that all the time. But Family First wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance.
2: More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Oh!
0: Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news and information. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. An East Tennessee Republican representative is asking Governor Bill Lee to abandon the August 21st special el- special session, Brian Ritchie, a Republican from Marivols, penned an open letter to the governor calling the special session an expensive, disruptive, futile, and counterproductive publicity stunt. He pointed out that the General Assembly, which has a Republican supermajority, already refused to enact red flag laws this session, and that a red flag law would not have averted the shooting at the Covenant School on March 27th. Your proposed special session is a solution in search of a problem, he wrote. Ritchie also said the special session will lead to disruptive protests and will require heavy security. While Lee can call a special session, Ritchie wrote it was inappropriate when the legislature, which is the same party as the governor, had already adjourned. The governor has already proposed and we have already disposed, he wrote. When Ritchie initially sent out the letter, it appeared that Representatives Ed Butler of Rickman and Todd Warner of Chapel, Chapel Hill had signed on to the letter. However, Butler's name was later removed. In a statement, Butler said he had neither read nor endorsed the letter. I've been out of town. I look forward to working on behalf of my district to find sensible solutions that address our mental health crisis and protect citizens' Second Amendment rights. I will stand with the citizens of House District 41 on this issue, he said. Senator Janice Bowling of Tullahoma signed on to the letter later in the afternoon. On Twitter, Ritchie called for other state legislators to sign on. Other Republican legislators have previously taken to Twitter to show their lack of support of a red flag law. In a statement, House Republican Caucus Chairman Jeremy Faison and House Majority Leader William Lambert said House Republicans will be ready to discuss any issue in a special session. If our governor calls the legislature into a special session to discuss any issue, the Republican caucus will certainly be ready, willing and able to debate the best way forward for our state, just as we have done in five previous special sessions. We will continue to defend and preserve civil rights while ensuring every community is safer than it is today, he wrote. Faison has previously called for the writings of the Covenant school shooter to be released before the General Assembly takes action. Neither Murray County Representative Scott Sapicki nor Kip Kapley responded to questions regarding their stance on whether the special session should be called off. House Democratic Caucus Chair John Ray Clemens said Democrats are ready for the session. Tennesseans overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly support gun safety laws to better protect our children and communities and want legislative action. Democrats agree and stand ready to get to work. As usual, the only thing standing in the way to public safety is the Republican supermajority, he said. Democratic Senator Jeff Yarborough of Nashville tweeted that he'd be willing to work with anyone on any side of the aisle on almost any idea except for cancellation of the special session. Just giving up without even trying is immoral and unacceptable. It's literally our job to make policies that keep, help keep people safe, he said. A Vanderbilt poll released earlier this month and conducted after the shooting found bipartisan support for gun regulations, including red flag laws. Lee, whose wife lost two friends in the shooting, has said the goal of the special session will strengthen public safety and preserve constitutional rights. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today.
1: Go.
0: Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today, and now our final story. Guns N' Roses announced on social media they added new shows to their world tour. The band previously announced a show in Nashville at Geodis Park. Yesterday, they announced a special guest. Carrie Underwood will open for the band in August. Underwood performed with Axl Rose at Stagecoach in 2022, then again on her recent tour stop in L.A. That's She's been a longtime fan of the band and often will have one of Guns N' Roses songs on her set list. Other special guests on the tour will include The Pretenders, Dirty Honey, The Warning, and Alice in Chains. You can find tickets to the show at Geodes Park in August by going to Ticketmaster.com.